When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you didn't know, now you know. Winning on the road in conference play, it's not that easy. Welcome to another Women's Hoops edition of College Sports Now. Rob Joyce joined as always by Megan Gower. Wild last seven days of basketball. Wild Thursday night as we record on a Friday morning. And Megan, I have two simple questions for you. You ready? Mm-hmm. One, how are you? I'm good. That was easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, who's the best team in the ACC? I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Another loaded show. Here's the rundown. We'll recap everything that's happened since we last spoke last Friday. Bunch of games coming up this weekend as well. That should whet the appetite, especially tonight and Sunday. We might even get you primed for a little South Carolina LSU next Thursday, uh, perhaps. But we have to start with a quiet Thursday in the Atlantic Coast Conference that started with NC State going to Coral Gables and pretty much going wire to wire in a loss to Miami. And then you go up to the the JMA Dome these days, RIP Carrier Dome. Florida State's up 18 on Syracuse until they're not and took that L. And then Virginia Tech, they lost Georgia Amor. They weren't going anyways in a loss at Cameron Indoor to Duke. Megan, which of those games do you want to start with? Let's start with the NC State one, because perhaps that was the most surprising, I would say, of the bunch. I thought NC State was the best team in the ACC. I don't know that I'm overall convinced anymore. Um, They've lost two out of three. Still no River Baldwin. Canes pick up a marquee when they needed. Were you more surprised by NC State? Were you more impressed by Miami? I think surprised by NC State, obviously impressed by Miami, and that's going to go a long way for the Hurricanes that are kind of sitting on the bubble right now to to getting in the field come March. 
But, I mean, the defense from NC State, I think it was three players on Miami had 18 points. I was just The defense was concerning. Uh, NCAA, it's 9.03 Friday morning. Got up mm-hmm. that rankings, man. Uh, Miami coming in was 44th. I'd imagine they would take not a significant jump, but certainly a, a big enough jump where mm-hmm. you know, a March this win could matter. I guess the Wolfpack miss river baldwin one of those freshmen that we didn't really talk about last week she's not lighting it up scoring wise but she doesn't have to i think i think her impact is felt her absence is felt for the wolf pack yeah i I think she they're missing her and i thought it was evident in that virginia tech game but i mean they lost by one point on the road at virginia tech that's not a bad loss this one i'm like oof this is a tough loss for them i don't want to overreact really the theme of the show for me is don't over. I don't want to overreact to one game. I mean, just look who lost last this last week. Miami lost. Florida State lost. Virginia Tech lost all on the road. Baylor lost on the road. Texas lost on the road. I'll be it to K State. Indiana lost on the road. I'll be it Iowa. UCLA lost on the road. Stanford lost on the road. LSU lost on the road. Virginia Tech, Marquette, Iowa State. You get the idea. It's hard to win on the road. So I don't want to overreact to one game. I mean. NC State, they're Elizabeth Kitley game winner away from being 16-1. and one. Um, So I don't want to crush them for losing one conference road game. But Duke on Sunday, don't slip up against Clemson, Boston College. You get Baldwin back for February. The real test, uh, you know, in theory occurs then. I just I want to see NC State go 3-0 or 4-0, however many games they have left until February. Yeah, great. I think it's... You can't overreact to one game, I agree. And like I said, I'm not at all concerned about that Virginia Tech loss, but you got you can't make it a trend now for the next month. That's when you start to get into trouble. Uh, Syracuse, Florida State, chronologically next. I've got to be honest. Um, Seminoles, they were down after a quarter. They go on a big run in the second quarter. They're up 18. And I started working out a theory of, like, I don't think it's a Final Four team, but I was going to say coming in, yeah, I think they might be the best team in the ACC. And all these reasons, all this great grand stuff, and then by, you know, 9.30 Eastern, I threw it all out the window. Yeah. I'm less concerned about Florida State in this game and more impressed with Syracuse. I think that's their second, maybe I'm forgetting one, really good conference win. They had that win over Notre Dame. Now they have the one over Florida State. I think they're they're definitely a team that's climbing right now in terms of they look really good. Deja Fair has been fantastic for them, and it feels like it's kind of coming together at the right time. They've got some some pretty solid wins on their resume. The only loss so far in ECC play is that North Carolina loss on the road. Not a bad loss. So this is a team I'm impressed with so far in the ACC and what they're doing. That Deja Fair shot. I thought I thought Florida State, they were up two um, with two, three minutes to go. And I thought they were okay. And then Fair hit that like 30-footer with a hand in her face. And it was just, it was a swish. And it's like, okay, <laughs> maybe it's not Florida State's night. No, Fair's great. They're two, they're two similar profile teams. Like that's the kind of game you would expect when Florida State and Syracuse play. Not a whole lot of defense. Um, they're fun to watch. And as, don't don't look now. Louisville's the only unbeaten left in the ACC, but Syracuse and is it North Carolina with one loss? I think so. I think so. They're right there. And then because Virginia Tech lost again, lost to Florida State on Sunday, I 
think the secret is out on how to beat the Hokies. Hopefully, Georgia Amore's okay. She didn't play most of the second half. Um, hopefully, she's not out for an extended period. I think opponents realize, all right, we'll let Liz Kitley get 25 and 15. We'll just dare everyone else to beat us. Right. Yeah, I think without them having someone step up, opponents are going to continue to do that, and someone needs to kind of step up and be that third scoring option in addition to Kitley and Amor. And without that, yeah, we're going to see, I think, a lot of the same recipe to take them down. And I don't know. I feel like it's kind of late in the season for someone to make that big jump. I think we're going to see that. Not that it can't happen still, but usually someone's starting to kind of prove to be that option by this time. I feel like we had a similar conversation last year. What What's the big difference between this year and last year's team? Someone like a Taylor Soul that important, and maybe we just didn't recognize it? Yeah, I think so. I think having consistent, even if they're only averaging 9, 10, 12 points a game, the consistency of that is where it's key, and I feel like that's what this team is missing, is that those kind of other options being consistent at night in and night out. Okay, we'll wrap up ACC chat because those are most of last night's results. Again, Louisville, the only undefeated team in the ACC, now 5-0. and North Carolina, Syracuse are both 5-1. and Louisville's kind of flown under the radar. Here they are now ranked 13th. They're sitting in first in the ACC. What's their best win? They haven't really beaten anyone in ACC play at Miami, although ask how NC State how that went. Hammer Duke. Took care of business against Pitt, Wake Forest, and Clemson. They'll get tested this weekend at North Carolina. What's your take on Louisville, a team that I think is okay? I don't know if they're the 13th best team in the country. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they look as they get into some of these tougher ACC games. I think, I mean, Jeff Walls always does a good job, and the team made up with so many kind of new pieces and transfers, like, it's bound to take time for it to come together. I also don't know that I'm like sold on them being 13th in the country. I think back to like that UConn game where they just, yes, on the road, but like really couldn't hang with UConn at all. Um, so I'm not sure I'm sold on 13th in the country, but I also think it's going to keep getting better from now until March with the way Jeff Balls usually has these teams rolling um, with the transfers as the season goes on. So I think there's someone to keep an eye on. I don't need to chisel this in stone. Right now, January 19th, who do you think is the conference's best team? I still think it's NC State. I, I'm not two games, or really one game, because, I don't, like I said, I don't think anything of that Virginia Tech loss. Like, one game doesn't change that yet. If it's a couple more that they lose, then you start getting worried. I think at this time last year, we said in the ACC there were no Final Four teams except maybe Virginia Tech, and it turns out we were wrong. Virginia Tech was a Final Four team. I think you can pretty much say the same thing this year, except swap Virginia Tech with NC State. Is that fair? Yeah. Like I don't think anyone's yeah. going to the Final Four, but if it's anyone, it's probably them. Yeah, that's how I feel very much about this conference right now. It's a bunch of teams that are probably going to make the second weekend, but not make it past that. Fair enough. Um, last night was kind of a capper on fairly wild week do you want to go Wednesday do you want to go takeaways from last weekend because I do have some thoughts I know, you know LSU's played since the Pac-12 hasn't mm-hmm. played since but LSU's loss at Auburn was probably the highlight of the last week or if you're a Tigers fan a low light do you, again one game it's not a, it's not a 
good loss in pretty much any light, I test wise, metrics wise. But I don't want to overreact to one game. But what were your takeaways from LSU Sunday, and then took care of business in the second half last night after trailing in the first half at Alabama? Yeah, I think I agree. Like overarching theme is not to overreact to one game for LSU. I think I react a little bit more just because we haven't really seen them play anyone in a while, and then to have Auburn, a team that you know hadn't won a conference game yet, come beat them on the road. It, it raises a little bit of a concern for me for LSU and have they really kind of come as far as maybe as we thought they did. So I'm a little worried about where they're at. I think we'll learn obviously a lot more and we're going to talk about it later in that South Carolina game coming up. I thought they responded really well last night though at Alabama. They were, you know, down one point at the half. Alabama was really kind of taking it to them. I thought to, to start that game and then they were able to use that third quarter to really just open things up and Angel Reese and Andy Samora were a big part of that and really just kind of put the game away in that third quarter so I thought that was a nice response to not make it you know two losses on the road or having it come down against the bump to the buzzer against Alabama again it was a nice response last night against a team Alabama's probably a tournament team so a decent opponent whether you you either love LSU or you hate them, it seems. There's not really any neutrals, and the prospect of them staring down a second straight loss to an unranked team, albeit on the road, like you could see Twitter licking its chops, yeah. waiting to pounce. It's really hard to go unbeaten, either through conference play or you know the number of teams we see go unbeaten, period, is dwindling. We haven't had one since, what, Stewie's last year, UConn? No one's yeah. gone undefeated since, right? So... You know, you're going to see more of this. Sure, you know, think on the men's side. If Georgia beats Kentucky at home, like it's not like it's newsworthy, but it's not like, oh, my God, what happened? Right. It's kind of where we're growing into the women's game now, where we talked last week, that depth of teams, what, 20 through 75? Mm-hmm. Like five years ago, team number 70 in the net, like they're not going to touch LSU or any of these top teams. And largely, you know, eight, nine t- times out of 10, they don't. That one extra time, they can now. That That's just more common. The things that concern me, though, with LSU, the turnovers, they average, what, 16 a game? That won't cut it. And then the three-point shooting, they're really, really similar to South Carolina last year in terms of percentage of their points that come from three. They're third to last nationally. They're 311th in makes per game. Again, similar to South Carolina last year. The difference is, well, LSU's defense is not what South Carolina's defense was last year. It's not close. And you saw what happened, you know, again, 39 out of 40 times, like just dominating inside with Reese and Morrow. That's good enough. But the one time that it isn't, and those points in the paint are harder to come by, ask South Carolina last year. That's the closest profile. They just took one game. They got got. So that, that's those are my con- concerns with LSU, is that if you're not going to, Three-pointers are worth more than two-pointers. That's why teams are trending to either threes or in the paint, largely. If you're not going to take threes, that just it, it just lowers your margin of error. That's all. And LSU has a pretty big margin of error. Right. I think they got to find a way to get Haley Bedlith going. I think that's probably the key for this team. If they can figure that out, they're going to be in a lot better spot than they are right now, even with the defense not being quite at the level. I think the Kim Mulkey probably would like it to be if they can find a way to get Haley Benlith going on the perimeter and just on the offense in general. I think that's going to change the game for them. 
game on the line on Sunday, are you surprised that the play is, yes, Angel Reese is your best player, but have her go ISO from midcourt one-on-one? Like that, I thought that, like, I thought that was a choice. Yeah, I feel like I've seen Kimolki run that play before. Someone actually texted me and was like, that's exactly what she did in like Baylor's like Elite Eight loss to uh, UConn a few years back with maybe the foul. Yeah, the foul. Yeah, that play. So maybe not entirely surprised, but I, I didn't think it was the, the best play. I would have liked to see something a little different, but. Yeah. Right, like get the ball in her hands, that's fine, but set her up. Right. Even the high post, low block, right. One-on-one from the elbow, like, sure, I'll take Angel Reese more times than (laughs) not. Um, That All that said, LSU's probably going to be a three-seed again, and no one's going to want to see him in their bracket. Like, even if they lose three more games, that's probably too many, but say they lose three, like, the name alone is going to scare people. Um, By the way, Auburn lost at Vanderbilt last night, so the Tigers are now one and four. they're not like they're not close to the tournament picture, right? No. Resident bracketologist. They are not. Vandy is though. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, Commodores. <laughs> that was an yeah. ugly first quarter and a half. It was yes. like 10 9 midway through the second, but they'll count the same. Um, yeah, Vanderbilt, looking at their, I mean, they didn't play anybody in the non conference. They played NC State as the ACC, SEC, ACC, SEC challenge, lost by eight. Lost by two to a okay Missouri team, so the margin of error, I'd imagine, isn't big. But are they are they flirting? I think they're gonna they're flirting with making the field for sure. I think as long as they you know pick up some more of these SEC wins that they can get, they've got a really good shot of being in the field. I know they're like getting votes in the poll. I don't think they're like a top twenty five team, but I, I think they've got a good shot at, at making the field. When at Tennessee this week, you definitely have a really good shot. That's a big ask, but I think is they've it got a, a shot. Ask? I don't know. That's a good question. Is it a big ask? It would be It'd be a good win. They only have South Carolina and LSU once also, so that helps them. They've got a little bit of the easier SEC schedule. They play so- Tennessee twice, obviously home and away. They head to Colonial Life. I don't think it matters where that game is played. Yeah. Miss Alabama at home, those are like you mentioned, like seven, eight seeds. Like those are gettable at home. Mm-hmm. Georgia's not very good on the road. Texas A&M's decent. That trip to Arkansas, Arkansas's on the bubble, right? Are they in right now? They're on the bubble, but they're definitely. I don't have them in. They have had like one really bad loss to like Arkansas Pine Bluff or some school that you're like, what is this? Efforting. I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> Uh, lost to Marquette, lost to UCLA. Ooh, ooh yeah. lost to Arkansas. Yeah, probably. they had. Yeah, <laughs> that one. That's like, what's going on there? They they might seek their way back in if they do well in the SEC, but that one hurts. <laughs> Still, I mean, it's been what three games in the conference since we spoke? Any like South Carolina? Obviously, they're South Carolina. LSU, whatever you think of them, they're going to be what top two, three seed. Mm-hmm. Anyone else in the SEC move the needle for you? No, not really. <laughs> Simple enough. <laughs> Just uh, being honest, yeah. That's fine. You know what will move the needle? Everybody in the Pac-12. Yes. <laughs> Last weekend, well, we start with the team alone in first place. Colorado 
you and I both said they were probably ranked too high, and then they went out and it was at home, but swept Stanford and Cal. More importantly, Stanford. Are you more of a believer in the Buffs? I haven't changed my opinion, honestly. Okay. I still think they're a hard – it's a hard place – it's always been a hard place to play, right? People always complain about the elevation and whatever. I don't know how true that is, but it probably has some effect. And also, like we've said, winning on the road, conference play is hard. I, I'm interested to see what they do when they go on the road. I believe them more um, than I did last Friday. I mean, they're not going to go undefeated. No one – no one's going to be defeated in the Pac-12. If someone nope, does, they, gonna... they need to be the overall number one seed in the tournament. <laughs> yes. If Colorado wins out and goes into the field, what, 30-whatever and one, I will gladly take the loss and say, yes, they're the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, but to hold Stanford to 59, holding to 18 points in the paint with that duo inside, they forced a bunch of turnovers, and they did it on a day when Frida Foreman shot three of 14. That's what's most promising to me is that the defense looked like last year's defense. Um, and to some extent, the offense looked like last year's offense, but I know <laughs> better than that now. And if you can beat a team like Stanford when one of your best players goes three of 14, color me impressed. Yeah. Yeah, they've seen the, they've got the whole picture. I'm still on their top five. I think they're definitely a top 10 team, though. Uh, they are now her hoop stats. They were like, 17th last week i think they're 15th now in the composite ranking so they had a little bump um takeaways on the stanford side against one game on the road tough place to play had a nice win over utah a couple of days before that um lack of scoring behind brink and era fan concerns me a little bit yeah again though one game i'm not that it's a good team too on the road yeah I don't think that much of it. Like we said, no one's making it through this Pac-12 schedule unscathed. Yeah, that's fair. I just, off my for hand to jump, that's fine. I know that she'll yeah. get the what, the 12 points you were talking about earlier. I, I want to see LaPolo score a little bit more. I know it's not okay. her role, but she averages like less than five points a game. Just make it like eight. And then yeah. I like Brooke Dimitri as weapon off the bench. And uh, I think uh, the freshman, Aguera, I like her. I think she has a nice little future. Um, mm-hmm. But they're going to lose some games, just like the team that allegedly going to USC and losing in a close game without maybe your best player starting on the bench sick uh, drops from two to five. I know, I know that that doesn't bode well, sit well with you that UCLA dropped so long for one loss. Yeah, I can't roll my eyes enough at that in the poll, <laughs> honestly. Like, it's just. That game does nothing to change my opinion that UCLA is the second best team in the country, especially considering you have a sick Lauren Benson that's coming off the bench. And I know I think USC was out was without Ray Marshall too, so they were shorthanded too. But like we've said over and over again, like teams are going to lose games in this conference to lose against a top ten team on the road and have that be your only loss this year. I like that doesn't say to me, oh my god, this is no longer the second best team in the country. I wouldn't have moved them at all. And they won't move at all, I think, from a bracket perspective. I think resume-wise, they still look like the second-best team in the country. So you have teams ranked third, fifth, sixth, and eighth. Utah dipped down to 20th. Utah, I think, is what it is. Mm -hmm. A team that can score occasionally, especially if Alyssa Peely has her A game. Um, The defensive deficiencies are still there. 
are they lining up to be like what probably a four or five seed? Like that that could be a yeah. scary-ish four or five seed, assuming they take care of business. Like if you're a sweet sixteen team and that's the five seed you're playing, I'd be I'd be alarmed at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I agree. That's not someone I would want as the five seed in my region if I saw the bracket. You don't want anything to do with Alyssa Peely as a five seed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, oh, USC, one more note. Obviously, like Juju's great. She gets a ton of headlines. 16 of 16 from the free throw line. Um, that's wild. I'm talking Mackenzie Forbes because I think like that's a transfer. Like when I saw it on the portal, I, I don't remember seeing it on the portal. Like it didn't. Yeah. Didn't register as being that big. Can't say I followed a whole lot of Harvard basketball last year. And she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a mid major scorer who averaged 25 and then is going to the Pac 12. Like her numbers this year are pretty much on par with last year. And obviously that's a step up in competition. Like that might be the most underrated get out of the portal. Yeah, great. I think it's always really impressive when someone can come in and replicate what they were doing at the mid major level at the power conference level. And then I would say, especially in like the Pac-12 this year, um, that's even more impressive considering just how good this conference is. So yeah, huge get for them. And I mean, Harvard's been good, right? The Ivy League is a top mid-major conference, but for her, like, her transfers from those leagues to be on the radar is like going to make a huge difference. They're usually averaging, like you said, 25 you know, points a game. And that wasn't the case for her, so. It's impressive to see her kind of make this jump and contribute in the same way. That's such a high level of play. Is Lindsey Gottlieb your coach of the year right now? I mean, maybe. I don't think I, I think everyone knew Juju Watkins was going to be good. I don't think anyone thought they were going to be this good. I feel like Don Staley's going to win coach of the year, though. Like, I'm always torn. And, and rightfully so, honestly, like. I don't think everyone thought South Carolina was going to be this good either. That's fair. Like I'm torn with coach of the year. I like in theory, like give it to the team that, that is surprising folks. But then at the same time, like if I go 10 or 12 years and I don't see the names, Don Staley or Gina Oriama or Kim Mulkey, it's like, all right, at some point in time, like they're the best coaches in the country for a reason. So yeah, I'm a little torn on that, but either way, Lindsay Gottlieb, He's done a great job, and yeah, the future's bright um, for future Big Ten power USC. Um, God, I hate that so much. <laughs> Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. The only other major news from the week, I thought, you want to talk some Big 12? Because, again, like kind of like the ACC, um, I don't know what to make of the league. Again, hard to win on the road. You saw K-State slip past Texas over the weekend. Iowa State beats Baylor at home and then Texas tech hits a billion threes on them in Lubbock and they go to Texas tech and lose kind of like the ACC. Like I think there are a good number of pretty good teams. I don't think there's yeah. a final four caliber team. No, no people might get annoyed with me for saying that. Cause I feel like people think like Kansas state can be that. I'm not sold at all on Kansas state being a top 
honestly a ton team. Like I just I don't think they're quite there. So why, why um, not? It's just like the defense number one, and I know and like Aoka Lee is really good, but like I don't think she's like Caitlin Clark good and like can carry this team to a final four. But I'm just I'm just not sold. I think they also haven't played anyone other than like Iowa, which I think just matchup wise is a good matchup. <laughs> So the defensive metrics, a couple ways to look at it. Their top 10, her hoop stats, their top 10 scoring defense nationally. And I'm looking at the schedule. They held Iowa to 65 and 77. Like all things considered, that's pretty good. Um, Obviously they split with the Hawkeyes. Boy, they just, until they played Texas, (laughs) they haven't played pretty much anybody. All right. I feel like I'll I'll side. Hey, they pitched a shutout um, this weekend. I think it goes down as a two nothing win over TCU. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think push comes to shove. Right now, given Rory Harmon's injury, I think Kansas State probably the best team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, they don't force a ton of turnovers. Yeah. They they yeah. played they play hard half court defense. They have size in the middle. They don't foul. They have one of the best foul rates in the country. Um, it's a little crazy to me. Like I thought this offense would be better than it is. Yeah, that's like true. last year without Lee, they were one of the what probably 10, 15 best offenses in the country. And I figured, mm-hmm. oh, you added her, you're gonna be. I thought they'd be kind of like Iowa, where they would just score a bunch of points and not stop anyone. That kind of hasn't been the case. Yeah, that's true. Um, Baylor, <laughs> you, you were right. Week for Baylor. <laughs> the fall from grace. I liked Baylor in the preseason. I liked Baylor last week, despite the blowout loss at Kansas. Um, and again, the three-point loss at Iowa State. I don't want to overreact and you know act like Baylor's going to miss the tournament or something stupid like that. But I just want them to show up Monday against Kansas State. Yeah, I think you start to get very concerned if they don't do that. They're still going to make the tournament or whatever, but I think they're, they're having a bit of a coming back to earth week here in that. Like they are not a top five team in the country right now, which I mean makes sense, right? Like they didn't add that much from last year's team, which was like a what first weekend team? I think the first weekend yeah, they were teams. what a seventh yeah. team? Yeah, I think what, UConn, like UConn in the second round, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean hard draw, but still, um, yeah, it's a big jump for a team to make without that much addition. The theme of the last 10 minutes has been they're not a top five team. We've said that about yeah. a lot of teams currently ranked in and around the top five and top 10. So I assume you have <laughs> South Carolina there. Who else like do you consider right now a top five team? I don't care what their ranking says. I might. UCLA, spot. obviously. Sure. Yeah. UCLA is, I think, very clearly a top five team. Iowa, as much as it pains me to say it, is a top five team. It's hard, right? Like those- yeah, it's hard. Like NC State apart right now, but I'm not sold on it. Like they they look the part, but they're I'm not sold. Um beyond that, all right. Really We're gonna leave spaces four and five vacant. I will alert yeah. I think I know one voter of the AP poll. I'm sure you know a couple. <laughs> Let them know. We're skipping teams four and five. No one deserves it. Um, what do you have any thoughts on this TCU thing? Like, I think it's weird. First of all, do you have eligibility? Yeah. 
They're taking walk-ons. Go. Yeah. Fly down to Fort Worth. Let's go. It's weird. No, I think I asked someone the same question as, like, why does it you can't do this the other day to be, like, just have someone that you throw it in the fourth quarter when you're up 40 on random Big East teams, like, so they can rest their starters. (laughs) Um, I also think it's unfortunate the way the Big 12 has that rule set up that they have to forfeit the games because I think actually the exact same thing happened to UConn last year where they only had six eligible players or healthy players at one point and they were able to reschedule the games, which I think is a much better solution than the current situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's mid-January and it's two games. Like, I don't think it's unreasonable to ask teams to, hey – Next week, you'll play three games, and then once in February, you'll play three games. Like, that's not an unreasonable ask, especially when first week of March, hey, you're going to have to play three or four games in as many days if you want to win the Big 12 tournament. And, I mean, we just moved games around like puzzle pieces for, what, like two and a half years because of COVID? Like, we couldn't work around this. Uh, Information has been been limited. Like, this, it's weird. Obviously, Sedona Prince out indefinitely. Um, Deja Turner had season ending ankle surgery, Jaden Owens tore ACL on Saturday. So that's three. Then they have 14 players. So, but, but and like, they haven't said anything and they don't have to, like, these are college kids. I get it. Um, I just, it's weird. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I got. It's weird. Um, they're not the best team in, in the big 12, kind of like Vanderbilt. Like they didn't play anyone in the non-conference and when right. you're coming off like an eight win season. Yeah. Take your dubs. Get them. Um, but right now, who is the best team in the Big 12? I think it's Kansas State. Oh, the look on your face when you said that. <laughs> it's like I'm so not sold on them, but I think it is. Honestly, it might still be Texas. Like, I'm not – like, I don't think Texas – I think Texas with Rory Harmon, we were talking about a team that we might see in the Final Four. Texas without Rory Harmon, I don't think is that, but they still might be the best team in the Big 12. I'll go with that. Um, still the fifth best team in composite rankings on her yeah. hoop stats, which I, that obviously yeah, includes the games that down. they won with Rory yeah. Harmon. So they're probably yeah. a step or two below that. But yeah, I think everyone was quick to just assume Texas was just going to kind of fall off in the losses. Again, that was that K-State game? That was in Manhattan, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like sure. a six-point loss at home to Baylor. I think that was right after Harmon's injury, wasn't it? Yeah. So, so they, like I expect it's going to take some time. To right, you're going to try that. to figure it out. And then a three-point loss at K-State. Yeah, you. I was ready to say K-State. Mm-hmm. You might have convinced me that it's Texas still. Um, yeah, I didn't watch that K-State game, but I watched them play Kansas this week, and I was, was pretty impressed with what they did in that game against a Kansas team that's probably going to miss the tournament. They're not bad. Like, they're decent. And we're, they were able to just kind of smother them without Rory Herman. I thought that was impressive. Yeah, that game wasn't close. Um, the other Wednesday game that, if it weren't you, I probably wouldn't mention it, but <laughs> your beloved Villanova Wildcats. Making a little noise. Give them, give them make... their flowers. <laughs> Go ahead. They beat, they beat an okay, you know, decent Marquette team. Top 25 win, uh, resume building win. Yeah, I think they're they're making some case to be on the bubble. I don't think I quite have them there yet, but they're a team that can play their way in. I just think that Lucy also made some more national hype. That's mostly where I think this Villanova team is 
any miss. Like, yeah, they're not that great this year, but Lucy Olson has just been fantastic. Like, she's seventh in the country in scoring right now. Like, no one's talking about how good she is. Villanova, they're they're like they're clearly like your second favorite team, right? <laughs> yeah. You loved Pretty Maddie Seacrest last year. I did love Maddie. Miss watching Maddie play college basketball. So this, you said Villanova's not quite on the radar yet. By the way, the net rankings are updated. Oh, Miami went from 44 to 42. Obviously, again, one game isn't, especially in mid-January, isn't going to vault you right. up too much. You can, vault, you can vault down a lot, right, if you take like a really bad loss. Mm-hmm. I say that LSU, yeah, LSU. They had to have been top ten in the net before last week. They right? were, yeah, they were. They dropped to eighteen. Now they're fourteen. Anyway, so yeah, Villanova is forty sixth in the net. So yeah, they still have work okay, to do. Yeah, work to do, but they're they're starting to get in that the bubble territory. They play UConn what twice? They probably get Creighton and Marquette again. Oh, let me look. Yeah. They get Creighton. Hey, look, they get Creighton on Sunday. Um, <laughs> they head to Marquette, and then they close with at Creighton, at UConn, and then host to Paul. Yeah. Hopefully they're not in a situation where they need to win all three of those games because they probably – they could win – they should win two. They mm-hmm. could win two. Probably won't win all three. Uh, sure. Give me some teams right now that aren't ranked or – Maybe they're ranked 23rd, 24th, 25th, whatever, that you think could make some noise. Pull, you can pull up your bracketology if you feel like it. Um, not like Final Four good, but pulls an upset in the second round, makes a Sweet 16, thinking you know, Ole Miss last year, Miami last year. Yeah. couple teams. One that is ranked, but because they're mid-major, I feel like they're not necessarily getting the attention. And Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga's been really good. This year, they've got that win over Stanford from earlier, just kind of cruising in conference play right now. My one concern with them is just like you don't play anyone for months and months. No offense to the WCC, but you don't you don't play anyone for months and months and then have to come into to tournament play. And I think that's a hard thing to do. So like a team like Nova last year, at least playing the Big East, you're playing at Creighton, you're playing Marquette, you're playing UConn, you're playing St. John's. Those were all tournament teams last year. They're not playing a single tournament team until they get to the tournament, pretty much. Could they host? But they could host, I think. I think they're definitely part of that conversation. If they went out, they could host. Their only losses to Washington State and to Louisville, neither of those are bad losses. A win over Stanford win over Cal. That looks a lot better than I thought a win over Cal might have looked. A win over South Dakota State, win over Arizona. That's three Pac-12 wins. They're probably going to have more Pac-12 wins than, like, Oregon. Um, oh, Oregon has two. They back okay, back win. I lied. Oh, sorry. Okay, I lied. <laughs> and Arizona you're, State. You're right. So the ball's for is, Oregon. No, you're yeah. right. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> uh, the... Let's see. Santa Clara is 73 in the net. And boy, I'm scrolling yeah. away. So Portland yeah. at 108. Yeah, I get your point of can just you just turn it on? Get some large. Yeah, right. I if you're going to run into, you know, if you're in a four or five matchup in the four is it's going to be a power conference team who's played 
doesn't matter the conference. Like they've played a bunch of good teams. Um, can you just be prepared for that? Yeah. Give us, let's... give us your bracketology methodology. So this is the first year that you've like blown it out. Mm-hmm. RIP to the tiny whiteboard. <laughs> so like, how, how do you go about it? There aren't that many people who do it and we don't get a chance to talk to many people who do it. So like, obviously you make a preseason one, but do you like throw that out because you're just kind of yeah. going off of predictive measures. Like give us, yeah. give us uh, you know, in, inside baseball here. I pretty much threw out the preseason one and like started from scratch when I did the first of the season. And then it gets a lot easier. I think once you have the net, like without the net, it's really, I think difficult. It's kind of, you're just throwing teams on there and making a guess because like the net is such a big part of it. It's not all of it, but it's a big part of it. Like team that looks like it has a good resume that has like a 68th net is not making the field. Um, so now kind of the approach is I start always with the auto qualifiers. What we're, we're doing for that is I'm going by the team with the best her hoop sets rating being the auto qualifier from each conference. I know I think the ESPN does like the team that has the best conference record. I just feel like sometimes that's not always the best indicator of who's the best, especially early in conference play. So going with her hoop sets ratings on that. And then uh, from there, I kind of, now that I have like, we were like, have a bracket, I go through and take notes on like what each team in the bracket has done over the last week, last two weeks, how I think they should move. And then from there, kind of start reseeding everyone. And then the teams that come out, I then look at who's the next set of teams that should be coming in for these teams that are, you you know, already sitting at 10, 11. And then you're like, oh, they lost this game and this game this week. Okay, they got to come out of the field. You have a giant whiteboard now, right? Like a dry erase board? I do have a giant whiteboard. I do most of it in a spreadsheet. Honestly, I use the the giant whiteboard okay. just to do the bracketing portion afterwards. I, like if I use the whiteboard, I would definitely erase, like, oh, I want to move Notre Dame from a four to a five. And I'd erase them. And then, like, it would just be gone from my mind. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, this is this is great. And then someone would point out, hey, moron. Where's Notre Dame? Yeah, I oh, have like whoops. checks in my spreadsheet that's like, what's the highest net team that's like not in the field to make sure that I don't do something like that and accidentally like go to boo someone and just forget to put them back in. So again, to not overreact to one game, every situation is different. If a team like LSU loses to Auburn, like is that a one seed line loss? Is it like two seed line loss. I don't know if those exist in conference play per se, or if a team like Miami wins, do they can they go from like next four out to the last four in? Can you make that big a jump on one game? Yeah, I think you can jump a seed line on one game still. I think we're still at that. Beyond that, not I don't really think that you're gonna drop more than one. Like the case with LSU, if they drop two, it would be less about just their loss and it'd be like okay, they lost, so they're dropping, but then did someone else pick up, like, two really good wins and then are moving ahead of them? Um, So it's not, like, in a silo, but I think, like, especially as you get closer and closer to March, I think one of the biggest things people don't realize with bracketology is, like, one game kind of means so little by the time you get to March. So there is definitely some, like, recency to it and, like, the committee rewards, like, strong performances in the like a conference tournament, but you're not going to like drop two seed lines because you lose a game in your conference tournament either. Yeah. But if, if you do, those get the clicks. 
Come on, Megan. Be viral on the internet. Let's go. <laughs> well, that was that was good stuff. Um, leads us to another loaded weekend. I mean, we're gonna say this every week. The Pac-12 gauntlet continues. Yeah. The LA schools. If you didn't know, the Pac-12 for a few more weeks um, does um, travel pairs. So the LA schools go to the Mountain schools. So UCLA and USC will play Colorado and Utah. It starts with. Buffs and Bruins um, in Boulder, and then Utes and Trojans tonight in Salt Lake City. What do you think of this Bruins-Buffs matchup? I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for it. I think you want to obviously see UCLA, you know, rebound from that loss at USC and try to duplicate the win, but I also just think this should be a fun matchup. Hopefully Lauren Betts is back and healthy, I'm assuming. She is. I think for Colorado, you're looking for them to do something similar to what they tried to do against Stanford, like keep them out of the paint. That's that's a recipe for them to kind of get the, well, I guess it's technically not considered an upset if they win because they are ranked higher than, than UCLA. I would still call it an upset if they beat them, but. Um, I don't know where to find but... uh, spreads. <laughs> Got to hit up Dano Mattia, but uh, yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no line. So yeah, it might not be an upset, but continue. <laughs> yeah, so I think that, and then UCLA, I think you're just looking to get back in the win column. I think this is going to be a good one, though, in general. Like, I think this is much-watched TV for everyone that has access to the Pac-12 network in some way. I don't know if this is a spread of sorts. Her hoop stats has this as a plus-five margin. Let me let me, let me me translate this. I believe... They essentially, for all intents and purposes, have UCLA as like a half point favorite. So it's basically a pick them. Um, so it should be a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC, I think that could be lower scoring. I think Utah, USC, that game will probably live in the 70s, maybe the 80s. That one could be fun. Yeah, I feel like it's just a lot of star power. You got Pele, you got Juju. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Also, going back to your question on like teams that could make a second weekend that are unranked, like, Anyone in the middle of the Pac-12 with this, like the way they play, they're just so used to it come the tournament. If they play Friday, Sunday against two tournament caliber, sometimes like Final Four caliber teams. So they're that's fair. So you're looking at prepared. your Washington cool. States, your Oregon States, uh, your I mean even Utah. I think is less of a you know shocker there, but. Yeah, let's see. Who's Utah. out? Arizona Arizona State sub-500. They ain't making it. Oregon had yeah. some bad non-conference losses. Yeah, they're not going to make it. Well. Oregon State is 14-2. and two? Are they, I don't, blindly, they're have in. they played anybody? They haven't really played anyone, but they're, they're at the game. Cool. Um, and then Washington and Washington State both sitting there at 1-3. Mm-hmm. Washington's lost four in a row. Yeah. Washington State, I think, is the better of the two. They're pretty high in the net still, but We'll see what happens with actual play for them. Arizona, um, I think, has had a decent start to conference play. So those teams are teams I would not want to see come come March. They're Fair just going to have been through this gauntlet of Pac-12 play. They're going to be ready for the tournament. You're watching Stanford-Oregon at 10 p.m.? Uh, no, I had not wow. Oregon isn't doing it enough for me to stay up that late for a basketball game. <laughs> you only have like six more weeks of this. You're I know. I might watch like the the first half. All right. I mean, that game will likely be over after the first half. <laughs> uh, tomorrow's games 
don't do anything for me. Um, there's no ranked on ranked matchups. Cool. Kansas State, Kansas, maybe. Uh, but Sunday, can't say the same. We haven't, we've gone the entire show. We haven't mentioned anyone in the Big Ten. We haven't talked about Iowa. Um, annihilated Indiana. Indiana last weekend. They have Ohio State on Sunday. They go to Value City Arena. Buckeyes, they got it done against Maryland. I wasn't overly impressed again on whatever day it was, Wednesday. Um, I thought I thought the Big Ten would be more intriguing. And I guess if Ohio State wins, it is intriguing. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't see it. I don't see it either. I'm like, Iowa's going to lose a Big Ten game at some point, right? But, like, why not on the road at Ohio State? But yeah, I mean, they almost lost to Michigan State at home. Like, yeah. Like, again, they're not so unbeatable that they're not going to slip up, but. Yeah, I just they're still very clearly the best team in this conference, and it's it's not close. <laughs> it seems like you know Ohio State's going to have to force twenty turnovers, and Iowa isn't so careful with the basketball that that's not possible. But like the method is to outscore them, and if you're if you're going to go into a game against Iowa trying to outscore them, that I don't yeah. see that working. Um, <laughs> Louisville, North Carolina. That suddenly looks a lot more, it always looked intriguing, but a lot more than it did last night. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that one goes. I mean, I think that's whoever wins top of the ACC right now. I think it's a good, like we mentioned, like Louisville hasn't quite really played anyone in in the ACC yet, so that should be a fun game. We mentioned, uh, if you're looking for something a little off the beaten path, we mentioned Tennessee Vanderbilt. Uh, Vols are 36-1 and all-time at home. Against Vandy, they might be thirty-six and two. I think. I think Tennessee is going to win it, but I think it could be a good game. That would be a, like we just talked bracketology. Wouldn't be such a you know wouldn't be an earth-shattering win. Could it be a a loss that comes back to bite you in March for two teams that are on the bubble that could use just a little push against you know a, top, a quad one win? Do we use quad ones on the women's side? I never seen them. Tec- yeah, they don't technically use quads. They just look at like top 25 and top 50 wins. I don't understand why they don't use quads, quite frankly. But like, it's it, pretty to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, you know, whoever wins, they're not going to say, oh my God, Vanderbilt beat Tennessee. Oh my God, Tennessee right. beat Vanderbilt. But come March, it's like, mm, I wish we had beaten this top 50 yeah. team. Yeah, I agree from a Rocketology standpoint. I would say for like Vandy, I think it's just a statement win in the name. Like, if you beat Tennessee, like sure. that's something. Regardless of how good this Tennessee team is or isn't, I think that's that's going to say something. I mean, that says ranked. something. Yeah. <laughs> there's only, what, four teams, three teams you can say that about, where I don't care how good or bad South Carolina is, they've earned right. that company. Obviously, UConn's there. doesn't matter that Tennessee hasn't done anything in 15 years. They're Tennessee. The win, yeah. especially in that state. Vanderbilt beating yeah. Tennessee always matters. Um, yeah. Monday, Baylor K State. We talked about this a little earlier. Eileen K State, two kind of similarly profiled teams. I think whoever gets more rebounds will win, and I think K State will get more rebounds. And that's my uh, five second summary. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> three losses in two weeks for Baylor. It's going to be a rough fall from Grace, but yeah, I kind of believe the same way. And then it's going to get a lot of hype, and it it deserves to. Not you know, didn't get nearly the hype of USC and UCLA or any doesn't get the hype of the Pac 12 games that we've talked about last week and coming up tonight and Sunday. 
USC or USC. Well, technically, yes, USC, yeah. South Carolina, and LSU play on Thursday. First ESPN game day of the year, which is on a Thursday, so it tells you, you know, how much people are going to watch. Two of the most high-profile coaches in the country. Two of the, you know, well, I guess South Carolina have they don't have that high, high-profile player this year. Um, yeah, I guess Cardoso, but like, yeah, it's not the same. Uh, either way, it's South Carolina and LSU. It's going to get a lot of hype. I personally, this game's in Baton Rouge. Last year, it's not going to be what eighteen to two out of the gates like it was last year. I just don't see with the way LSU's playing right now. Famous yeah. last words. I think South Carolina wins comfortably in the probably 10, 12 point range. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this is where they slip up. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop one at some point. Honestly, it might be better for them if they drop one at some point. It's just that don't have it be in the tournament type thing. I don't know. Like sometimes it's good to have that reality check beforehand, but. When's the last time South Carolina lost a big regular season game? Exactly. Because when they've lost the last couple of years, like they slipped up at Mizzou a couple of years ago in yeah. overtime. Yeah, I Obviously, think it was that Paige Becker shot in like the COVID year and like the empty Gamble Pavilion where she like bounced in the three. You know. Yeah. Like, oh, off off the. Year. Yeah. Backboard. Yeah. 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 They lost that game in overtime. Then they lost to Tennessee, a ranked Tennessee team, a couple of weeks later, but. Then they lost at – remember when Texas A&M was a top-five team? They're on yeah. their way back, but, boy, that seems like a long time ago. But, yeah, the, the moral of the story is South Carolina gets up for the, the games that they need to get up Yeah, um, exactly. I'd be more like more expect if they're going to lose at some point in the regular season. It's going to be like a team like Bandy or something that's going to come in and, like, get the win and, and shock them, but – it's not going to be this LSD Rockville game. It's not going to be when you comes to town. Like they're going to be up for those games. Well, we'll talk about it next Friday because that game is next Thursday down in Baton Rouge. Megan has a real person job. I don't know what that's <laughs> like. So she has to run. Uh, plug your stuff. When we get in the next bracketology update, you're showing up in you know, Washington Post, anything like that coming up? Yeah. Uh, bracketology update, probably mon- late Monday night, Tuesday morning. Monday's a nice day. There's usually not many games on Monday, so it makes it a little easier to update. You don't have to try to adjust for what's currently happening. Uh, I don't know when the next Washington Post thing is coming, but if you you missed it, I talked about which teams kind of are in that conversation for a one seed. It's a link on my, my Twitter. You can find it there. So check that out. At Megan Gower, G-A-U-E-R. Give her a follow. Subscribe to her hoop stats. Rate, subscribe, listen to all this. That's stuff. Megan, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you too.